Literature and Psychology by Dr. Saideh Malik Afzali, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tabana Organization. Tabana is a non-profit mental health organization organized in Sacramento, California. Tabana seeks to help individuals and families to strengthen their capabilities and to thrive. Aired on Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock weekly. Hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Walkers and Dr. Alex Andrade, and this is Dr. Saide Malikafsali speaking. Today, we decided to talk about different types of listening. Uh, we know there are so many different types of um, topics regarding the listening and so many different um, definition of listening. But today we want to talk about uh, one of the definitions that uh, we believe might um, be the one that usually we talk about and that's five types of listening and how we can improve them. So I want to open the conversation and talk to my colleagues regarding different five types of listening, what they are, and how do our, how do we define them? I, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to anything you just Wait, said right now. What we're, did you say? We, we were totally not paying attention. <laughs> what? What? Okay, so that's Just a good kidding. beginning. To, that's a very good beginning to talk about. Well, let's maybe I start know. with uh, naming the, the five types. Here's okay. the best response. Oh no, I I heard I listened. I heard you. You you said uh, there were five types. Yes, but do we want to define each type? I can just say the topics and then we can talk about it. One is active listening. The other one is critical listening. One is informational listening and empathetic listening. And the last one, and I'm sure there are more types of listening, but the last one I um, think we talked about is appreciative listening. So these type um, of listening are actually a good classification because we often, as psychologists, also have these kinds of listening that we have been always um, told to do or um, sort of by experience we learn. So maybe we can talk about each of these. Yeah, let's start with pathetic listening. Isn't that one of those? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't talk about that. Remember, you weren't listening to me. I said active listening, critical listening, informational listening, empathetic listening, and appreciative, appreciative listening. No, oh, but em no. empathetic. Empathetic, not pathetic. Empathetic. Yeah, could be pathetic sometimes. Okay. <laughs> You know, the first thing that came to my mind is, are we good listeners? Like, I know in like my personal life, I am not as good as listener as I am when I'm working. I yeah. think it's just like that. I, I'm, I'm more, I know I have to be more attentive. I think in my like personal life, probably like most people, you're just thinking about what you need to do next or what's going on. And depending on the situation, you know, you can feel a little bit maybe less active. So maybe the opposite of active listening, the first one 
is maybe more passive listening. And I think that's what you were kind of alluding to, Daniel, that idea, what, what, no, no, I heard you, I heard you. You said something about uh, five listening types. And so it's like, you get some of it, but you kind of miss most of it or a lot of it. And I think that could definitely uh, lend to some disagreements or conflict sometimes. Yeah, it's that it's, here's the thing that's very annoying to me is if somebody I can, I'm talking to them and they are not listening and I know they're not listening. And then I comment that they are not listening. And then they come back with that. Oh no, I heard what you said. You said there are five types and all they're doing, they're not listening. All they're doing is just quickly going into that verbal memory, that auditory memory and pulling out the last thing you said, as if that proves that they were actively processing and paying attention to you. My argument here on the listening thing, and this is probably about the empathetic listening, because I think that's probably one of the most important ones, is that a certain magic happens when we listen to somebody carefully. This is what Carl Rogers was saying in his famous um, paper in 1957 on the necessary elements for therapeutic listening. There's a magic that happens just from listening. It changes both the listener and the person being listened to. I think there are big benefits to both. And some of it's not probably not directly tangible or measurable, but there is some kind of magic thing that happens and it's healing. Now it doesn't heal everything, it doesn't fix everything, but I think it goes a very, very long way. Absolutely. And then also it shows how interested you are in um, the other person's issues or information or whatever relationship is there at that point. Um, it, it shows that how much you care. It, yeah, it really does. And, but it, something else happens too. Like I was at a party recently where I did not really feel like socializing and I did, I, you know, I just wanted to get a drink and kind of have my own thoughts and I didn't want to have to listen. And then when I got to the party and it was not a big party, there was somebody there that I had never met, but I had heard their name and something not so favorable about them. And so this was in my mind when I realized that's the, oh, that's that person, okay? And so I had kind of this negative impression already before that. So I didn't really engage them and I didn't talk about it, talk to them about much of anything. But then I'm, I'm having a drink and I'm just reflecting on myself and my not interacting with that person and I thought why have I just shut this person out and I don't even know them so then what I decided to do was start engaging them to try to understand who they are and learn something about them kind of pulling away this defensive guard that I had put up just in my mind and really it was quite a delightful experience and it was so it was so nice because but at the end of the party when I was leaving this person asked me for my business card. Like it was, it worked out to be such a good connection. But I think it's because, you know, I, I changed as a listener and really became actively engaged in who is this person and what's going on there. I think that's some of the magic that I'm talking about. Isn't it so interesting that sometimes you have negative 
um, thoughts about someone that you don't even know because of um, hearing from other people and we become judgmental. I think this is yeah. huge and we do that all the time in our interacting with people. Uh, so we already have something in our mind about someone. And then when we are meeting with that person, you already are using your judgment in a negative way rather than going with the flow and going with what you get yourself rather than what you've heard. But we all are guilty of that. It brings up a, the very important aspect of openness in terms of connecting with people to be open and not, and to let go of preconceived notions. I don't think it's realistic to say, oh, to don't have preconceived notions. No, we do. Everybody does. Yes. We all do. That, that, so I don't think the key is like, oh, don't have any preconceived notions. Not realistic. Instead, be aware of your preconceived notions and see how can you listen beyond those? How can you listen past those? It's a very, very important issue, yeah. Yeah, and I think similarly, this idea of listening, what we're talking about today, it's probably not this idea of like, always listen in this one way or these, you know, two ways. Like these are the best ways to listen and you should disregard other ways of listening. No, it's something that we're going to listen. We can choose how to listen. We can reflect on how we're listening and how we're engaging. Because yeah, that is probably going to be another aspect of it too. What are preconceived ideas? What are expectations of this other person? Kind of as I alluded to earlier, you know, I'm probably listening different at home than I am at work or like Daniel said, at a party. Um, so yeah, recognizing that we are approaching the situations and others with certain things and including our listening style or, or approach. Yeah, and um, I'm thinking this word uh, as a topic of active listening that um, simply means you're engaged in what you're hearing, you're responding, you're there. Um, so your mind is not every other place except that what you hear and what you respond. I think it's just sort of respecting the other person. Um, I'm sure it has happened to all of us when you are talking to someone. And as uh, Dan mentioned, you know the person is not really fully listening to you. And uh, he's or she is also thinking of others or listening in the background and all that. You pick that very quickly. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed, uh, the very first thing I noticed in American culture mostly was how good listeners they are. Uh, even though we are talking about different types of listening, but I, um, I was very uh, impressed that um, every time I was talking to someone, they were listening, they were asking questions. Um, and I really, um, it just resonated um, to me that this is part of the culture. I think people learn from childhood that um, they need to listen actively. Um, although now that uh, you are uh, more into psychology and different types of listening, you pay maybe more attention, but in general, I think culture also plays a big role in this because we know that different cultures 
basically interact differently. In some cultures, if somebody passes by and you don't pay attention, even though you're talking to someone, it seems like disrespectful to the other person. But I know in other culture, if you do the other way around, it's disrespectful. So I think culture plays a big role in this. Yeah, along those lines, there are some behaviors that tend to go with like active listening. So like eye contact was one that relates to how that could vary in different cultures to, to stare directly at somebody in their eyes as you're talking to them may be seen as a form of respect. While in other cultures, that may be like a sense of intimidation or being rude in a way. So, you know, active listening behaviors might include eye contact contact, uh, facing the person or lean, leaning forward uh, attentively. Uh, yeah, kind of not being distracted, not have your phone in your hands or, or doing something else as you're talking to somebody. So yeah, there could be a lot of aspects that contribute to what active listening looks like. Absolutely. And also, sometimes you realize that there's some people that they're not really interested in connecting and um, it could be sort of, you know, some um, preconceived notion as we talked about, and maybe that's in their mind and they don't want to do anything with you um, or to whoever, and uh, they have that in their mind. And you can pick very quickly. I think people's body language speaks to you a lot. There's some people that you know that their body language tells you that, you know, they're interested, they want to communicate with you, uh, but there are some other body languages that didn't, doesn't sound like there's any interest. What, what examples are you thinking of or what, what, what kind uh, of the body example language is the body language? No yeah, because um, they're, they're looking all around their, um, you know, their, their arms are tight. It seems like there's no interest in communication, but there's some people that they show their body language. They're there. I, again, as an example, I can tell you when I met um, Dr. Rockers at the first party we met, um, and I never fully remember very clearly, he was standing at the middle of the place when you entered, and there were two other people standing by him. And then as I walked, uh, I went right directly to him and uh, he, his arms were open and he was just looking interested in communication. Um, it's, it was so obvious that he he wants to know me he wants to know who my, what my name is he we talked and it was such a welcoming that the entire people in the party seemed like oh what a great party you know because the first person i met was dan with uh, open arms and um, uh, the body language was very positive so what i'm saying is sometimes one little thing can make the whole party or the whole meeting more pleasant rather than you enter and somebody at the door doesn't doesn't seem like the right person to meet and then the entire time you feel like you know this wasn't very pleasant you know it, it's so important how you welcome people I think and and that's the first part is when we talk about body language as part of 
it's part of listening. This whole thing is a combination, I think. Before we take our break, Daniel, do you want to mention anything about your entourage and how you stand with your arms uh, presented Open. at parties? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I, I imagine there was a glow coming off of you as well. That's nice of you. I would just say that I think what Saide is referring to is what I was referring to earlier, which was there's magic in listening to other people. It changes things. But just as a real quick aside with the open arms thing, you know, if I had spent some time. I didn't say like this, though. I just said, on the, I, I didn't, well, it wasn't like this. Uh, however, right. however, it was, I spent some time with a guy who was a con artist. And he was the brother of a friend. And this guy was extremely skilled, like interpersonally. And I mean, in a manipulative way. So it wasn't necessarily good. But one of the things that he did, talked about doing, which I thought was kind of interesting, was when he would meet people, he would meet them like with his arms open. And he talked about how the reception that it gave him a lot of times. And he said, sometimes women would just come up and hug him from like women he did not know but, but to meet somebody with open arms like that if you think about it that's sending that's sending a message and sending some energy it is truly what we say an open stance and there's something that's both confident and vulnerable at the same time in that so i think it's very good i don't have an entourage alex but uh, i respect your humor in that <laughs> very eloquently mentioned um what a good posture it is to have that openness so with that we want to um have a few um maybe just one minute of break and come back to continue our conversation uh with the minute that i say also i have to uh, say some words in Farsi. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد با عرض سلام خدمت شما من سعیده ملک افزالی هستم به همراه دوتن از همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندراده امروز در خدمتون هستیم به زبان انگلیسی روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه از رادیو بامداد صحبت میکنیم صحبتهای ما در رابطه با موضوعات روانشناسی که زمنم موضوعات روزمره هم هستند امروز راجب گوش کردن ما صحبت کردیم تا کنون و اینکه ما در حقیقت انواع و اقسام مدل های گوش کردن داریم ولی ما اومدیم روی پنج تا مدل گوش کردن داریم صحبت میکنیم و اینکه اثراتی که گوش کردن درست میذاره رو طرف مقابل داریم صحبت میکنیم برمیگردیم و دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم سرنوشت را 
باید از سر نوشت شاید این بار کمی بهتر نوشت عاشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را به دیگر از کجا این باور آمد که گفت گر روید سر بر نگردد سر with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi. This is Dr. Saide Malik Afzali speaking. The beginning part of our conversation was talking about the kind of listeners uh, each of us have experienced and we are that type of listener maybe we need to think about. Uh, there are so many types of listening, but we talked about five uh, different types of listening. We mainly were talking about active listening, um, and then uh, now we can get into critical listening. But going back to active listening, um, I want to just throw this out, and that is, is good to mirror the speaker's body language? Is it a good thing? or? Uh, what does that mean if we mirror the body language of the person we are listening to? Are we sending them a message that we are more interested in con continuing our conversation? Uh, what do you think of that? If it's not, it, the problem is if you do it consciously, then it comes across in a different way than if you do it automatically. Mm -hmm. And if you do it consciously and intentionally, it's probably a good way to practice, but the problem is it can appear like you're mocking or mimicking that person. I was wondering about that because sometimes you feel like it's just too much, right? So you need to be yourself, but show your interest uh, that you're listening. Um, yeah. I find that in therapy sessions, it happens a lot, even online. And I've had patients comment on it. She says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm, I'm mirroring you again. She was mirroring me. This is one particular patient. And she had a good awareness of herself in those things, but she would frequently out loud to him, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I've had other patients do it, but they end up falling into it. And I think, again, some of that's that magic that happens. That's that synchronization between people that mm -hmm. when you're really listening and you're really dialed into somebody, there's there's some sort of a, an energy. Yeah. One of the, relates to the uh, Rogerian approach that you were mentioning earlier. I think if you just look at it at the surface level, it looks like you're just like repeating back what somebody is saying or like summarizing the statement. But I think that's why it's so powerful is because of that magic. And I think that gets missed if you're just looking at the content of what is said. It's sometimes the, the tone, the inflection, uh, even just what you're uh, kind of reflecting back to the person 
that allows them to kind of be with the emotions associated with what they're sharing. So that's why that empathic listening can be so powerful uh, versus when people are like, oh, they're just repeating what they said. It's like, no, no, no. It's much more than just parroting back what somebody says. So I think that goes to, like you said, if you're kind of trying to do it in that way, it can, it can maybe look like that. Like, oh, you said I listen well. And I'm like, oh, I listen very well. It's like, okay, wait, what are you doing there? Yeah. Yeah, we should probably clarify there's a couple different kinds of mirroring that can occur. One is a physical posture mirroring, where if I've got my um, hand under my chin or a hand on my neck or something like that, and then the, the patient starts doing that, or I'm matching them physically, that's a type of mirroring. And then the mirroring that you're speaking of, Alex, is verbally reflecting back to people, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and- Because um... I think what you said, Alex, was that you repeat things back to people. That's yes, just a joke. Exactly. About <laughs> but have you noticed that sometimes I was just going to say um, in our uh, um, conversation, sometimes with friends, because there are different dialect of Persian language and the accent is different from one state to another. Some people who have a strong accent from one state to another, just like Southern accent here, or New Yorkian accent, or, you know, different parts of the country accent. Some people are so in tuned with the accent of the other person that gradually take that accent. And sometimes we talk about this, that, you know, like friends that they are together all the time or um, spouses that they're all the time together, sometimes they pick their accent. And um, that's not really um, mocking the other person is we talk about it sometimes that it's so much you are into, um, I mean, in tuned with the other person's speaking or listening to that person that sometimes you pick the accent. Have you noticed that? That you start talking like them or with their accent? Yes, some parts of their accent you pick, or maybe you, without realizing that you're doing that, if you're too much with someone. But we sometimes notice that in some people, and we joke about it and go, hey, you're taking, you know, from, you know, if somebody's from the South area and they have a different accent, and you notice that the other person who wasn't from there, but is really picking that accent. Um, it's part of really, I think, um, being part of so much into listening to that person, maybe. But the other thing I was going to say, um, because we talked about being active listeners, so much of that, but there is some sort of listening that is very critical listening. And doesn't that come from your preconceived judgment about someone? If you have heard so much about someone or you have seen something about someone, um, you just have, then you're not open anymore. When you listen to that person, you have all these negative things in your head and you listen critically. Do you mean like if I don't like somebody and then I'm, or I hear something bad about somebody and then I meet them? Is that what you mean by critical listening? 
by critical listening, that means the way I see it is you are listening to um, make a comment uh, as opposed to what you're hearing. By that, I mean, you know, like, for example, I'm listening to you, but I'm not listening fully to you to listen to what you're saying, but I am listening to have something opposing you, you wow. know, like um, it's we are not really listening to shut down our um, previous judgment we had about the person we are listening to, you know. You're listening to rebut them or exactly. to problem solve maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or to fight against them or prove Well, them there are two types of critical. I mean, okay. we have to also <laughs> distinguish between the two. Okay. One is critical in a constructive critical way but one is yeah but one is um in a negative way in a negative loop way that you go in a circle to whatever you hear you respond negatively i mean have you noticed that unfortunately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun it's not fun because then it's just it's this kind of struggle it's a battle yeah Reminds me that I do. Oh, sorry, Daniel. But well, no, it just—it's a hassle, and it uses up lots of energy. Mm -hmm. What were you? Where were you going? What Alex? do you do when you face with that, though? Interrupt Alex like that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? No. What is your? Um, what do you mean? What? Uh, when I'm faced well, with something, what I mean, like, yeah. Do you stop the conversation? Do you confront the person? <laughs> I want to know do? what you do, Daniel. Yeah. I want to know what Daniel does. It depends how annoyed I am. <laughs> if I feel all is lost, let me try to just blow it up. But generally, what what I do is I uh, say I'm I'm just asking for information. I'm not trying to, you know prove you wrong or get an argument. I preface it with something that way. I just, I try to get it going that way. I mean, I think you have to make it overt because if somebody's bent on being against you, you at some level have to make it more overt or just discontinue if you want to, if you want to have a constructive, I think you have to make that part overt. Hey, I'm not trying to engage in battle here. I think it's tricky. Yeah. It's like you said earlier, though, like, no, I'm listening because people say, no, I'm not being defensive or no, I'm not, you know, being argumentative. And it's like, all right, OK. <laughs> and there you go again. Yes. Yeah, we hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, and being constructively listening again, are you really listening carefully to what you're hearing or are you listening at the same time to be critical? You know what I mean? Then, then are you really listening? That's my question. Because I feel like if I'm critically listening to you is when you ask me, can you listen to my speech? Or can you listen to what I'm trying to say to the other person and then be critical in the way I am doing this presentation or be critical of what I'm trying to respond to this message that I have received? then you're listening that way. But if you're a casual conversation and then I'm being critical um, to what you're saying, I'm not really listening to you. Then that's a different type of listening. You well, know? Reminds, 
Reminds me of the idea of uh, somebody listening because they're just waiting to talk. Mm -hmm. And I think similarly waiting to kind of disagree. Mm -hmm. And so it's yeah, kind of like Daniel was saying, you know, I mean, at some point, it's just like you, you can't get through to a person. And so I think that that is one step to be overt about it. And sometimes, yeah, you're having to just kind of pull back a little bit because it's like, okay, anything that I'm going to say is going to be met with some resistance or to be challenged in some way. Yeah, I have had some conversation, some memorable conversations where it just was remarkable how there was nothing I could say that was not resisted or opposed and changed in some way. Every single thing got pushed or changed and it was tiring. Finally, just- I don't know why you're staring at me right now, Daniel. Listen. And we, I, I'm not changing my mind. I don't care what you say. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, at least you were listening there. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now you're getting through to me. Yeah. But, uh, if you only yeah. had that 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 glow when I met you, you know, then then I would have had a different experience. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we can't all have that uh, halo glow, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I don't think I have it when I. When I blow people up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds Sorry. me of, no, that's okay. It reminds me of when I was trying to present in front of the board about a program I wanted to establish and start. And I had worked so hard on that, created a really nice presentation. I thought so. And then I had put really nice videos from uh, the kids that I was showing the need of the program, why I'm, uh, I'm requesting approval of the board. And I remember there was uh, one person uh, in that meeting that was very critical and was asking really questions that um, I thought he wasn't listening to really actual need of this um, presentation and why I'm doing this. And I remember I have to recall to say, I, I didn't want to say directly, you didn't listen to me, but I always said, okay, let me go back to the, the presentation that I showed on the third slide. And I took him back and I, and I showed, I said, well, we, I talked about this and this and this. So this is your response pretty much respectfully. I wanted to say, you had something in your mind that you were opposing whatever I am saying, but I responded to this part and you probably didn't listen, but this was on my third slide in my presentation. And then I, I would continue and then he would just ask another question critically. And I went back to the other slide and I said, well, I talked about this and this is the reason and all that. But anyways, I mean, sometimes you just you are frustrated how do you get through this when someone is critical and doesn't really fully listen but brings up things that it's obvious that it's is not going to vote for it you know so they're very upfront and with their critical questions they show that they are not really empathetic listeners. They're not really active listeners. They just want to say what they want to say. Is it a question? No, <laughs> it was just a sharing. I, I was going to say, if it's during a presentation, you could always tell them, save all questions till the end. And then 
as you get to the questions time, say, you know what? Unfortunately, we're all out of time for questions. <laughs> Email me and I'll get back to you. <laughs> or even better, you just say, oh, you know, that's a really good question. I'm wanting everybody to say them to the end. And mm. then at the end, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you learn as you do this often. Um, but I was trying to be respectful, you know, with the board members, a business director, this and that, you know, you're just, you know, trying to get them to approve something. But anyways, we got to our second break. So we are going to have a short break and come back. I'm going to say some words in Farsi. من به همراه دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده امروز در خدمتون هستیم ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم در دو قسمت اول برنامه اگه تازه رادیاتون رو باز کردین ما راجع به انواع مکالماتی که ما داریم و چطوری ما گوش میدیم به مکالمات صحبت کردیم صحبت کردیم از اینکه ما وقتی که با دقت صحبت میکنیم سوال میکنیم تمام حواسمون به اون گوینده هستش و یه مقایم هستش که ما میخوایم اشکال تراشی بکنیم وقتی داریم گوش میدیم همش دنبال این هستیم که یه ایرادی پیدا کنیم که جواب شخص رو بدیم در روانشناسی مسئله گوش کردن بسیار مهم هستش و ما در دو قسمت اول برنامه راجع به پنج مدل از گوش کردن صحبت کردیم بیشتر راجع به اکتیو لسنینگ راجع به کریتیکال لسنینگ و اینفورماتیو لسنینگ و الان هم راجع به دو تا دیگه از به اصطلاح گوش کردن ها براتون صحبت میکنیم
back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrodi. This is Dr. Saide Malikapsalia speaking. Um, if you just turn on your radio and you haven't been listening to our two um, previous parts of our conversation, we've been talking about five types of listening and how we can improve them by um, just being more active listener or empathetic listener. The first two parts, we mostly talked about active listening and uh, critical listening and some of our experiences uh, that we brought into our conversation. The other parts that we want to talk about is informational listening, empathetic listening, and uh, appreciative listening. So I want to open the rest of our conversation by talking about informational listening and what it means. So by that, um, the way I understand from informational listening is more like you are listening when you go to a conference, when you are um, listening to some news, or it's more like you're sitting in a classroom, or right now we are talking, if you bring some information, we are listening. So I wanna just see what else you guys have about informational listening. Yeah, I just think of it as, you know, learning. This, this is a time where we're listening, where we're trying to learn something. Uh, so for me, it's like if you're paying attention and you have like a, a pen and paper, you're, you're really trying to absorb the information, really trying to take it in, not just things that you'll, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting. No, you're really trying to absorb it, retain it so you can recall it later as a source of knowledge or, or useful uh Again, like classroom listening yeah yeah definitely i'm trying to learn something well when we do that i think an important piece of that is to try to mentally relate it to something we know whatever we're learning how can we relate it to something we know i remember when i was in seventh grade and we were studying in science class the dipole dipole effect which i still can't tell you what that is but <laughs> I know that we learned dipole dipole effect because Bill Neal, after the next day, he, we were we had studied, and then the next day he comes up and says, Yeah, isn't the dipole dipole effect like this? And he gave some real world example. Mm -hmm. And I thought, What do you, you can't, you don't know what this is. How do you apply it? But he was doing, I was wrong. <laughs> and not doing it. I just want to say that ahead of time. Okay, this is not one of the I am so great stories. <laughs> this is how I screwed it up story. But he was right. And he was trying to relate it to real world stuff. And so he was learning it. And I have never forgotten that. I forgot what dipole dipole effect is. But I remember Bill Neal learning better than I did about science stuff. So that was pretty cool. So I think we're Relating it to something real world is a very important. Yeah. So Dan, what is it that you always want to bring your memories of things that you screwed up? Why is that? <laughs> I never hear from you to shine and to show off. You always oh, want because to show that if you I did don't... something wrong. Because I'm always dangerously close to saying, here's how I'm so great. <laughs> all right. And probably all those stories are a way of me saying, here's, here's how I'm so great. But really, if I can relate to 
people, some of the mistakes I've made and what I learned, then maybe they don't have to make those same mistakes that I've made. So I think it's a way that that can help other people learn from my mistakes. I made, yeah. I made the mistakes for them in that way. <laughs> that's so that's nice. what it is. That is very nice. Okay, so we have two different kinds of listening we can talk about. One is appreciative listening and the other one is empathetic listening. What is the difference between empathetic listening and active uh, listening? Because they both are active listening. What is the difference? Well, I think of active listening as being a component of different types of listening too. I know for, for critical listening as well as in, informational listening too, we have to be kind of paying attention. That's what I think of it as. And so uh, probably there's going to be, and I think that's probably why active listening is one of the first ones that we've talked about uh, because it, it, there's a th thread in each of these additional other types of listening. And so to be empathic with somebody and to, to maybe feel what they're going through you have to try to attune to their experience. And as Daniel was even saying, I think that's a big part of empathy is being able to put yourself in that person's shoes to some degree to get a sense of what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. I can't imagine being having empathic listening and not being able to put ourselves in that person's position, probably make it really hard to not just uh, relate to what they're feeling, but you might miss it completely in that way. Uh, I can imagine if you're needing to be uh, empathic in that moment and you're instead listening for information or informational listening, you can com completely miss what that person felt like and what they went through. Well, this is the big problem. This is the the problem between the sexes that we often hear, the stereotypes, right? that men listen to problem solve when their spouses really are want somebody to hear their emotional side. I think that, you know, I think one useful way of distinguishing between active and empathetic listening is to think, well, what is the opposite? So the opposite of active listening would be passive listening, what we talked about. And then the opposite of empathetic listening, maybe that's like a rejecting or resisting because as we were talking about different types of listening i was just thinking you know you have to be active listening in all of them because even in informative listening you know you're taking notes you're paying attention and i think alex referred to that too that in all of these types of listening absolutely we have to even if you're a critical listener you have to be listening carefully to be critical um, unless you just throw something without really being um, absolutely focusing on a specific part of what you're listening. You know, you may, as I said, as an example, if somebody is critical, they just want to say something to oppose, but it's different than someone who's listening and is critical. It just mentions the sentence you just said and critically maybe goes over what you said. So in all of these types of listening, they have to be active in order to be empathetic, to be inform informational listening, to, I mean, listen to information and all of that. I think critical can be resistive or helpful or critical listening you can be critically listening in order to resist somebody, or you can critically listen 
in order to help somebody and the presentation of what you've heard is so important because it's nice if somebody has listened to our ideas and said, wow, what a great idea and comments on it. And then later on in a different section say, okay, let's, can we talk about some potential snags we're going to need to get over for with this? That's a whole different presentation of my critical listening than just saying, here's why it won't work. Yeah. Uh, That uh, reminds me of an email I sent to um, a group of administrators and I was talking about a particular piece of cultural issues in in our environment where I was working. And I remember one of the administrators um, emailed me back um, very critically and said something and I responded and then he said, Saide, you at the end of your email said, please uh, ask any questions or concerns. And you now sound like you're upset of what I'm saying. And that really took me back and, and thought, oh my gosh, that is true. Because at the end of the email, you usually say, please let me know if you have any questions or concerns. You know, you don't just say it. Uh, you, you just need to be open to it. And that, if you have any concern, opened a can of worm. And <laughs> I was facing with such can of worm that I didn't know how to collect it, you know, and it was really interesting because honestly, from that point on, whenever I send something, I thought about this last part. Do I want to say if you have any questions or concern, please let me know (laughs) or do I don't want to? Well, you could say, please let me know in a kind way. So yeah. we have to be careful what we ask for, you yeah, know, because yeah, because sometimes we we think it's cliche and oh, you know, if you have any questions or concern, but that concern sometimes may just come at you, you know. So there's so many little things in communication that listening is one part of it. It's an important part. It's a very important part. Yeah. Just thinking so, about the uh, the last uh, uh, listening one, which uh, I, I want to definitely want to talk about it. And I'm probably excited most about that, as well as even hearing Daniel's uh, uh, response to that, just with his uh, interest in creativity, being a creativity psychologist as he is, the appreciative listening, which it's kind of relates to music and kind of uh, you know enjoying those things that we're listening to. So not just the sound of my voice, Daniel, which is probably what you think of, right? <laughs> That's what I had to appreciate or what yes. is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's something that I think is, I, I listen to music. I've talked about this before. I really enjoy music. Um, but I think it could even be things like nature too. It's just these things that we kind of take in and, and just value for, the sake of what it is. And it can be something that's created. It can be something that's natural. Um, it could be, you know, even, you know, sometimes if we're with somebody we care, it's just being able to, to, you know, hear their breathing or, you know, be able to know that, you know, we're, we're just connecting without even things maybe being said, just knowing that we appreciate 
you know, the, the aura, the sounds that exist in our everyday life in that way. And so it's something I think is, is very important in listening of all of these things. I think these other strategies we're talking about are ways to be engaged with others. But I think of this one as a little bit more something that can be for us in a way. Yeah, they re- the appreciative listening, all of, all of them require an openness. Yeah. But it seems like the appreciative listening is listening in order to feel. Mm-hmm. Because we want to feel that great feeling of great music or of somebody giving a good speech. And there are a lot of parts of that that we can really like. We can like somebody's, the sound of their voice. Or we can like some things like Martin Luther King's play of words and how he is, was so eloquent. We can listen to somebody's ideas and appreciate those ideas like, oh, wow, what a cool way of thinking about that. I never thought of that. Or I never put those two things together. And that evokes this nice feeling inside of us. It's like, oh, wow. It's a feeling of wonder or surprise or both and appreciativeness because that's what appreciative right it's an it's a feeling yeah and uh, also the nature that you said alex uh, you know if we are quiet and we just listen even to the uh, leaves the movement with um, a very um, slight sound of uh, you know movement uh, and just any sound in nature. Um, but also that could be negative to some extent, to some uh, degree, because I remember when we were snowshoeing and everybody was quiet, we were a group and the sound of this is snowshoe on the snow, I thought how wonderful, I was just quietly listening and somebody says how annoying the noise is, you know, as we were <laughs> blocking and it did, I, I'm serious. And there was just a moment in silent, I was just thinking, wow, you know, listen to this rhythmic sound of all these uh, snowshoe. And then I immediately, it wasn't even honestly, it was just like a telepathy in a negative way, because she immediately said, oh my gosh, what an annoying sound. Somebody says something. I was going to say, Daniel, did you go snowshoeing with Side A? Is no. That- <laughs> no, but it gave me an idea. This is an idea. It's kind of a contrarian idea. But the opposite of appreciative listening might be like irritative listening, like trying to listen for things which irritate us. I'm not sure of the upside of this, but it's just an idea. <laughs> and she was engaged in irritative listening. You- Actually, this irritative listening happens to us. And it happens to me with things like somebody snoring or somebody smacking their food or making a lot of mouth sounds when they talk. Like, hold on, I got to write these down. I got to feel this list is going to be long. Hold on. <laughs> it tells me something really important about you, Alex. <laughs> anyway, so I think this irritative listening is actually something that it begins to happen. How can we fix it then? I mean, let's say if you have that, how can you be open to that too? I'm serious because we were talking about being open. So how can you be open to it? I will tell you how you can be open to it or how you can get past it. It is not easy, first of all. It is a real challenge. 
But an example from myself is I was dating someone from Albuquerque, New Mexico several years ago. And this isn't about her. Okay. Just is it about so New Mexico know. at all? Because, uh, you know, we may no. have listeners in New Mexico. So we have to it be is careful. Not. It okay. is not. Not a okay. criticism of New Mexico or of the person I was dating or of the airline I was traveling on, but I had a layover in Phoenix and it's not a criticism <laughs> of Phoenix either. So I'm waiting I, for the irritation wait, part. That's why I'm, I'm eager for it's it. Yes. Cold. It's coming. <laughs> all it's right. Coming. All right. I was on a layover. I had about 30 minutes. I just felt like ah, I need some time to myself. I don't want a lot of people around. So I found this. It was late in the evening area in the airport like a kind of like a terminal seating area where there weren't anybody was nobody so I went and sat and I'm reading and shortly after I get there somebody walks into that area like another traveler and comes over and sits down in the seat right next to me I could not believe it it was annoying but I couldn't believe it and then I'm and I'm reading and then they pull out a nail clipper and they start clipping their nails. And every clip was so irritating for me. And so I said, okay, how do I get past this? And so what I did was I started to focus on the body feeling that came up with every snip, every time that did the snip on the nail. And it's interesting what you can discover about yourself with that there's an automatic response when we have already decided to be irritated with something. And if you stay with that and you really stay open to feeling other than traveling with the irritated feeling, then you will get beyond it because there was a point there at which I didn't even notice the clip sound anymore and it didn't bug me. Interesting. It can happen. Yeah. It works. Powerful. Yeah. And I have a call. I had a colleague who was irritated by somebody else chewing um, some snack that she always brought to the meeting. And especially when she was uh, chewing on carrot or some other snacks that was noisy, she was so irritated. She was always looking at me and doing, you know, pulling her hair, showing to me that how irritated she is because she had already talked to me about this. How can we tell her not to do that? Or even if she chews on things at the meeting, do it quietly so it doesn't bother. And I never forget that. That's why every time, even if I'm alone by myself and I'm chewing something that makes noise, I'm. it is in my head the way she was so irritated about that. That sort of gave me a lesson that to this day, I'm always aware of that. And in my even alone time, I'm careful not to make any noise when I'm chewing on on uh, cucumber or on uh, carrot. I don't, you you know, even if you keep your mouth shut when you're chomping on things like that, it still makes a sound other people can hear. Like, I don't think there's a really a good way. I found Let's a go way to, to do lunch, that. you guys. I want to go to lunch with you guys right now. <laughs> I, I, Get some potato chips or yeah. corn chips. Yeah, you can do it so quietly that uh, you can make the least possible noise if you be careful. Let me get some corn nuts. Let me get some corn nuts. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Or chips yeah, or I mean, something that is noisy. Like bread or something, but I don't. I think even those other that sound travels out. Yeah. 
that, that does. Okay, so we got to the end of our program. Um, I hope our listeners uh, benefited from different types of listening we discussed. I hope I appreciate they were listening. <laughs> yes, that too. Uh, so I appreciate the conversation and I thank my colleagues and my friends, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers. We come back tomorrow to talk about another current issues, uh, any topic of psychology or anything casual we come up with. So have a wonderful Saturday and we talk to you tomorrow. Sun.